I'm so glad you stopped by this edition of the Urantia Book Inside the Revelation podcast. And this is something that I've not even discussed before, but I'm going to tell you the story of how I found the Urantia Book, or maybe it's how the Urantia Book found me, right here on the Urantia Radio podcast. I just love that. Don't you like that as the kind of quasi-new new intro to the Arantia Radio Inside the Revelation podcast? It's a nice little tune. It's called Mood for the Day. Yes. Sang, uh, performed it on the Fragile album, 1974. Just very nice. Uh, you know, I, I felt compelled to share my story. We're going to do my story today. It's It's an interesting story, really, about how I... Uh, stumbled upon the fifth epical revelation. It was 1981. I had just gotten out of the United States Air Force. I born and raised in Los Angeles, California, and I was uh, 19 years old. And before I had gotten out of the Air Force, I remember taking a long walk. I was a Christian. I hung out with Christians here and there, but basically a loner. And I was taking a nice long walk one night. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was stationed in Hickam Air Force Base, Hawaii. And there used to be a track, you know, those tracks where people run uh, a track field. And within clear eyesight is the Honolulu International Airport and uh, one of the major runways, which is also shared with Hickam Air Force Base when they bring in C-5s or, you know, those large air transport vehicles. Anyway, so I was out taking a walk. It was a weeknight, and it was dark. And I remember having a conversation with God, and I said, You know, God, I I think I'm ready for the truth. And I looked up at the stars, and it was a beautiful night, and there was a faint smell of pineapple from the nearby factories, the Dole factories, just on the outskirts of Honolulu. And I could just, you know, I was in the mood. It was just a very spiritual moment. And I said, You know, God, I think I'm ready for the truth. I think I'm ready to know the truth. And that was it. Then months went by. A year later, I was out of the military, and I was back home. And I'd gotten a job at a Hollywood movie theater. This sort of a transition job while I was doing some of my schooling. Because at that point, I was in trade college, and I was learning how to be a broadcaster and a journalist. So this is what, 1981, 82? And uh, as a, if you've never, the old days when theaters used to be kind of a cool place to go, you'd have a ticket person, you'd have a person who rips your ticket, ushers, uh, and, and ours was a small theater. It was right there on Hollywood Boulevard. It was called the Holly Theater. And for some strange reason, and I'm not altogether sure why, but uh, the movie that we were airing at the time was a very controversial movie. It was called Caligula. Caligula was a movie that was written and produced by uh, Bob Guccione, who was the founder and CEO of Penthouse Magazine, which was an adult magazine at the time. I think they're still in existence. Now, bear in mind that it was a very respected movie because it had a lot of uh, actors in it. Peter O'Toole was in the movie. Malcolm McDowell had played the lead role. There were other women 
that were of note. I can't remember all. But anyway, it was a very popular movie, even though it was technically an adult film. Because what they did was they depicted, and I'd have to look up the numbers, but I think they spent well over a few million dollars producing this movie. But what was interesting is that we aired this movie forever. It was like months went by and we still were carrying this movie. And the reason is because it made a lot of money. And one of the chief people that were attracted were tourists. They would come to Hollywood in busloads. And they would pile in and see this movie. And a lot of them were from Japan. Interesting that these Japanese would come to America and they'd all get on a bus and they'd stop right in front of the Holly Theater and they'd go in and see this movie. I mean, it was a packed house every night. It was very strange. Anyway, so during the course of one of the evenings while the movie was going on and we were stocking the shelves and getting ready to make more popcorn for the next showing, the projectionist, a guy by the name of David, who I didn't know that well, but nevertheless, he was hanging out down in the lobby with us. And we were having a delightful conversation, among all things, about Adam and Eve. We just started talking about what he thought Adam and Eve was and what I thought they were. And uh, and he said to me, hey, you know, I, I have a book you might be interested in reading. If you're, if you're interested, I brought it with me. I read it upstairs. Come on up during the break and I'll show it to you. And of course, I gave it no thought. Uh, but I, I like projection rooms, I, I, you know, as a young guy, I always wanted to be in film, and and it's kind of cool. And if you don't know this, the projectionist union, uh, you never really see a projectionist, and they're, by law, not allowed to let anybody in to the projection booth. They're very protective about film, and they still are to this day. They arrive by security mostly, and they keep tight grips on films because they don't want them to be, you know, stolen, I guess. But anyway, he, he was kind enough to let me go up. And he hands me this big blue book. And meanwhile, I can see that the film Caligula is playing and it's, you know, it's got one of the, it's, it's, it's interesting because Caligula was about when, well, of course, Emperor Caligula, who basically almost destroyed the Roman Empire through excess. It was during a very dark, immoral time. I mean, he was famous for uh, appointing a horse senator. If you ever are interested, look up the history of Caligula, Emperor Caligula. Very crazy. Some people believe he was just insane. Um, anyway, so I'm reading this book about Adam and Eve for the first time, and I think he just opened the page to that paper. And it was very fascinating to me. I'd never read anything quite like this. And I grew up having a lot of conversations with people about Adam and Eve. They were very fascinating to me. Uh, as a Christian, it's, it's the first story. It's the first story in Genesis. They were the first. Here they come. And, uh, and of course, my dad and I would have conversations, and we would always get stuck on this idea of what happened to Cain after he killed Abel. You know the story. And... It was said in the Bible that when Cain destroyed Abel, he was banished from the garden and he went east to the land of Nod and there found his wife. And it, it doesn't make sense that if Adam and Eve were the first two parents or humans and then Cain and Abel were their sons, God knows how they were going to procreate from that point on, 
then who was this wife? Was, were there other people that were living at the time? Were they, were, where did they come from? So these are the questions going on in my 19-year-old head. And anyway, so I thanked David for showing me the book. I went downstairs, continued to work. Shift was over. It was a Friday night, I believe. The next day, uh, I went to my favorite bookstore, B. Dalton, uh, which is right there, I think, maybe near Coenga and Hollywood Boulevard. It's not there anymore, obviously. And I couldn't remember the name of the book. I didn't write it down. Uh, I kind of thought it was something unusual that sounded Greek to me. And I go into B. Dalton Bookstore, and all I remember that it was thick and blue. Thick and blue. I'll find this book. So I'm looking around inside of this very crowded store. It's a Saturday afternoon. It's bright and sunny, beautiful day, nice spring day, because it was in March. And lo and behold, as I'm looking around trying to see where the book might be, I'm, I'm literally standing over a stack of Urantia books that are sitting right there as you walk in the door. Big display. There must have been 30 or 40 of these Urantia books, but they were in white covering. They had a white sleeve. The book is blue, but the covering was white. And I, that's probably why I didn't see it right away, but it was the book. And I paid $22 for that book. I actually wrote a check because back in 1981-82, people wrote checks. ATMs had not been invented yet. Or at least if they were, I didn't have an ATM card. Anyway, so I took the book home, and I was still living with my father at the time in Los Angeles. And uh, and as I was, I think there was like a week later, I had seriously injured my thumb and I had gotten it cut on a machine because I worked part-time also uh, at a trophy place making trophies and award ribbons things like that and I had sliced the end of my uh, left index finger not too bad but enough to cut off maybe a couple of centimeters of skin and I had to take about a week off and heal because my thumb was in horrible horrible pain and I took that week to read the Urantia book. And I've never put it down since. And I continue to read it. And with each passing year, I still have the book. It's right there. It's old and the binders kind of fallen apart. All of my original underlinings, like things that I underlined so that I would highlight. I would keep notes in the book with arrows pointed. This is really good. Wow, this is just like that. But what, what I think clicked for me was that the Arantia book was satisfactory in explaining the story of Adam and Eve, Cain, and Abel. In reading that story, it made much more sense than anything I'd ever heard. So that was the gateway to get me into the book. And like most people, I read the beginning, the foreword, which was way over my head, but I sort of got the understanding about it, what they were trying to do is basically teach you a language. You know, here's what we're going to be discussing, and this is what it involves, and here are the terms that we'll be introducing. And among the first terms is that God has seven levels of existence. I don't call them dimensions because that's not how it's explained, but in other words, God is supreme on seven different levels. We only occupy one of them. 
of those levels, and which is the lowest one, the, the, where we are ascending children, offspring, by divine heritage, uh, made in his image. Anyway, so I read it uh, over the course of months, and it just it was transfixing for me. And that's when I realized that God had answered my request from the year before when I was in the military, and I remember asking for it. I, I'm ready for the truth. Specifically, I used that word, and I don't know why I used that word, but I said, I'm ready for the truth. I'm ready to know what there is to know. And it was only months after I read the Urantia book, and I got down on my knees, and I thanked God for giving me the book. For, for the first time in my life, well, maybe not the first time, but one of the chief times in my life where I felt like, this is it. This is what I was looking for. This feels right. And I'd start to share the book with other people, and most people weren't interested at all. That, that's all right. You know, that's the way it goes. But let me tell you, you know, that's, that's my story. And I don't share it often, and I've never really shared it uh, on this podcast, but I thought I would because it's a good story, really. It's, it's, I, I don't know if you have a similar story. I'd love to hear it. If you've got a crazy, whacked-out story, or not even a crazy, whacked-out story, maybe just a simple story about how you came into contact with the Arantia book, I'd love to hear it. If you've got a recorder, you have some way of recording your story, send it to me. Or if you want to write it, send it to me in an email. Your Book Radio at gmail.com. I think we'd all like to hear that. You know, that's one of the common characteristics or traits about your Book readers. We all have an incredible story of how we came into contact with the book. So send it along, your Book Radio at gmail.com. And I want to thank you again for joining me on the Arantia Radio podcast. We're on our way. Well, I won't even share the number, but it's a pretty high number. A lot of people seem to be finding this podcast, and I think I have to thank you for that. So until next time, thanks for stopping by the Arantia Radio Podcast. We'll leave you with Roxy Music and one of my favorite songs called Avalon. Avalon.